Praise the Lord, everybody. Why don't we all stand together? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen.
Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, let's worship him right now. Jesus, we love you, Lord, and we praise you. We adore you, oh God, because you are good. You are great. You are mighty. You are worthy of our praise tonight. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, precious Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Psalm 5 says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Are you joyful in the Lord tonight? Glad to know the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We worship you, O God. We praise you and give you glory and honor that is due unto your name. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Good to see all of you here tonight on this wonderful Wednesday night. You can be seated for just a moment, have a couple of announcements to bring your way. Our small group fair this past Sunday was a great success. We've got 32 small groups that over 250 people have already signed up for. And if you missed your chance on Sunday, or if you hadn't quite made up your mind yet, it's not too late. You can go ahead and still do that by visiting the church webpage, awpc.org. You can click on the connect tab and then click on small groups. You can still join up for those uh, through the end of this week. This coming Sunday, February 9th, Brother Scott Graham, who is the General Secretary of the United Pentecostal Church International, will be preaching here in both services. He is an outstanding preacher. We look forward to his ministry on Sunday. But before then, Brother Graham will be preaching at the Georgia District Conference this Friday night on February 7th. That's at the Georgia District Campground. Everyone is welcome to attend that Friday night service. At this time, I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. Be ready to wait on us for our offering. If you're able, let's stand together as we get ready to go to the Lord in prayer and to give in this offering. We want to lift up tonight Alexander Rodriguez. We also want to pray for Sister Laverne Johns. For Arthur Bryan Sr., this is Renee Sini's father. And uh, we want to pray for Brother Johns and the rest of our leadership, our ministry in the Georgia District. They're in district board meetings this week, and we've got the Georgia District Conference coming up. Let's pray for that as well. Do you have a need that you have brought tonight that you want to make known unto the Lord? Raise your hand up to him, and let's go together in faith, believing right now. Jesus, we worship you, Lord, and we glorify you. And we thank you tonight because we know that our trust, our faith in you is not misplaced, oh God, because you are great and you are mighty. You are all-powerful, Lord, and all-knowing. Hallelujah. You are everywhere, Jesus. 
at every time. And God, we thank you tonight because we know that you do love us. You care for us, Lord. We are your children. We're thankful to be called by your name, that precious name of Jesus Christ, through which we can find salvation. Hallelujah. We're thankful, Lord, that you loved us enough, God. Oh, to sacrifice yourself for our sins that we might be made whole. And Jesus, right now, Lord, we thank you because we know that you are a healer, God. And we lift up unto you tonight this baby, Alexander Rodriguez. Be with this child and touch him right now, God. Let your healing power flow, we pray. Lord, we lift up unto you, Sister Laverne Johns, tonight, that you would touch her, God. Oh, and help her, God, in this time of recovery. We pray right now for Arthur Bryan Sr. as well, that you would touch him, Jesus. Oh, and Lord, we thank you. Hallelujah. Oh, for your guidance, God, and your care. We pray right now, Lord, for the Georgia District United Pentecostal Church. Lord, in the time of this district conference, be with the leadership, God. Help them to hear from you, Lord, and lead us, God, as we grow in serving you and grow, Lord, your body through bringing others unto you, God, to know you through the salvation that you have made available unto us. We thank you, God, for the opportunity we have tonight to hear your word. Help us, God, I pray, to hear it, Lord, to understand it, to apply it in our lives and live for you. Lord, we pray that you would take this offering, God. Use it for the furtherance of your kingdom. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Everyone said, Amen.
express that honor? Would you express that privilege to magnify our God? Come on, lift up your voice all across this place today. Let's lift up our voice and magnify the Lord. God, it's our honor to worship you. It's our honor to magnify you, Lord. It's our honor, Lord, to lift up your holy name. Lord, we worship you and we praise you in spirit and in truth today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you lift up your voice again? It is our honor to worship him. It is our privilege to magnify him and to express adoration to him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I am thankful that we have the privilege and we have the honor to magnify and to exalt the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we get to assemble together and we get to worship Him. People of like faith, magnifying and lifting up our God. Amen. While you're standing, if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to the book of 1 Samuel. Chapter 15 and verse 22. 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22. Thank you for being here on a rainy Wednesday evening, being faithful to the house of the Lord. And we're grateful uh, for each of you and for what you do to advance the kingdom of God in this local church. And it's a privilege to serve God in this community of faith. If you think that is true, why don't you just say amen? Amen. First Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. And from these uh, faithful words to King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15, I want to speak to us this evening on this Subject to obey is better. To obey is better. Would you set your Bible down or your device? Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your spirit that we feel so gracious and kindly in this place. Thank you for your God, your grace and mercy that you have redeemed us and called us as your own. Thank you, Lord, that we are heirs together with Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the hope that is eternal. And I pray, Lord, that your holy word would equip, undergird, guide, direct, and encourage all of us here this evening that we might live a life fully pleasing to you, God, that there be no facade or, or Lord God, that there be no, God, deception that would blind us, that we would walk and live in a way that pleases you. I pray your word would be clear in that. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Lord, we desire you to talk to us and speak to us. We need you, Lord. And we declare that dependency upon you this day. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. And if 
And would you just magnify him with an applause? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I praise you, God. I praise you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in worship and to and for the word of the Lord. It was during the reign of Israel's first king, Saul. We know him as Saul. That the prophet Samuel, as directed by the Lord, commanded King Saul to lead Israel's army against the nation of Amalek. Saul was to utterly destroy the Amalekites and everything they possessed. That was the word of God as given to Saul through the man of God. Responding to this word through the prophet, Saul and his 210,000 soldiers launched an attack against the Amalekites and they did achieve total and complete victory except 1 Samuel 15 and 9 says, But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. Nevertheless, Saul and his army celebrated their perceived victory and service to the Lord like there was no tomorrow. In fact, this passage tells us that Saul was so excited about his accomplishment that he erected a monument to honor himself and what he'd done this day. But while Saul and his army are partying, it is quite a different scene at Samuel's house that night. For the Lord has informed Samuel that of Saul's disobedience. And God has informed Samuel that Saul has now crossed the line and God has abandoned him. And so while some are partying, Samuel is weeping and grieving through the night. And as the sun crept up through the misfield trees in that early morning hour, Samuel sets out to find Saul. And he finally finds Saul at Gilgal, which ironically is the very place where he was anointed to be king. Saul warmly greets Samuel. He greets Samuel with a bold declaration that he has performed the command of the Lord. Samuel, though the man of God, the prophet, quickly retorts with this question. What is the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Saul arrogantly continues to act as if he is ignorant of his disobedience. He blatantly tries to avoid personal responsibility. He disguises rebellion as worship. But what Saul called worship, Samuel called disobedience and evil. For Samuel said, Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? And why did you swoop down on the spoil? 
and do evil in the sight of the Lord. Saul was so blinded by the deception of his self-ruled heart that he had convinced himself that he was actually pleasing God. And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. And I brought back Agag, the king of, the Am- of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. He is so delusional, he is illogical. He is speaking against his own self. Saul continues, but the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And it is here at this fateful point in the narrative that Samuel issues his soul-piercing declaration of judgment. For Samuel says, Has the Lord a great delight in offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Saul, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Samuel's words leave no room for negotiation and they leave no room for debate. God desires obedience over self-professed service. God desires obedience over self-proclaimed worship because in the end, worship and sacrifice without obedience and submission makes God no God at all in your life. Furthermore, when we examine this passage, this sobering passage of Scripture, it is clear that selective submission is simply rebellion in disguise. And rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And self-ruled stubbornness is as idol worship to pick your pagan idol. These words, the prophet Samuel's words to Saul, remain as applicable today as they did on that tragic day. To obey the Lord is always, always better. To obey the Lord is better than faithful service in a ministry of this church. To obey the Lord is better than sacrificial giving in an offering. (coughs) To obey the Lord 
is better than a hallelujah and a shout and a tingle on Sunday down your spine. For if we are to please God, then the word of God is clear that we must live in obedience and submission to the leading of the Holy Spirit, the doctrines and the principles of the word of God and the spiritual authorities he appoints over us. Quite frankly, when I examine my life and when I observe the life of others, I am confronted by the reality that the same battle Saul fought in 1 Samuel chapter 15 is the same battle that I and others often fight today. It is a battle within us between total obedience and submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ or selective obedience and submission, which is not even a real thing. But as disciples of Jesus Christ, it is clear where we are to land and what our decisions should be. As disciples of Jesus Christ, yes, it is clear that we are to work out our salvation, our own salvation, with fear and trembling, as Paul wrote in Philippians 2 and 12. It is also clear that we are to exercise ourselves towards godliness, as Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 and 7. Yet this process, this discipleship process of pleasing God and being conformed into his image does not take place in an autonomous vacuum. You and I do not get to set the terms of our relationship with God. We do not get to tell God what is and what is not acceptable in living a life that is pleasing to him. Instead, the Bible makes clear that if I am to please God and if I am to spend eternity with him, then I must totally submit myself to the authority and the lordship and the governance of Jesus Christ. For Jesus said in red in your Bible, possibly, in Luke 9 and 23, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What is further established in the Bible is that God exercises his authority in our lives through his word. God exercises his authority over our lives through his spirit and the leading of the Holy Ghost. And God exercises his authority in our lives through the spiritual authorities that he ordains to rule and to lead and to guide over us. And this is where the battle often begins. This is where the battle often initiates. It is my experience. It is my observation 
that the battle within me is often not over the rule of the spirit or the word of God in my life. When it's black and white and it's in red, I typically don't have a, have a hard time arguing or, or, or battling with that. But where the paddle often begins is when and whether I choose to completely submit to the spiritual authority that God has placed over me. This is where the battle begins. The Bible clearly, as I have stated several times, clearly reveals that God's authority is extended through the spiritual authority that he has ordained to lead and care and watch for his people, the church. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4 and 11, speaking of Jesus, and he gave And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. No apostle, no prophet, no evangelist, no pastor, and no teacher is self-appointed. They are ordained and they are appointed by God through his word. 2 Corinthians 10 and 8, Paul wrote about his own authority. But for even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority, which the Lord gave us for edification, not for your destruction, I shall not be ashamed. Paul writes that I have authority and the Lord gave it to me. Paul told the elders or the pastors of the Ephesian churches in Acts 20 and 28, Therefore take heed to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Paul's command to the Thessalonians is equally clear in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 12 when Paul wrote to them, and we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. And so the Bible is conclusive that it is impossible to be submitted to God's spirit and to be submitted to God's word and not be submitted to the spiritual authority that God has established in the church. And again, let me say clearly that selective submission is not submission at all. For either Jesus Christ is the Lord over all in your life or he is not Lord at all in your life. There is no middle ground. There is no swamp land of indecision. 
He is either Lord or he is not. And either you are submitted or you are not submitted. And this modern, it's not even modern, but this human contraption, this fallacy that I can pick and choose what I choose to obey and what I choose to submit to, it is fallacy. It is a lie of hell. It is an eternal damning deception that will destroy your soul. And so again and again, this truth rings loud and it rings clear. To obey is always, always better. To obey is always, always better. I want to now draw your attention to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13 in a passage encapsulates what is interwoven throughout the tapestry of Scripture. This particular passage from the writer is in Hebrews 13 and verse 7. And he writes, Remember those who have the rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And don't we love quoting that? Just don't unhinge it from the context of where it's written. It's written between two verses, 7 and 17, that are talking about spiritual authority. And that Jesus Christ doesn't change. The same yesterday, today, and forever. The writer of Hebrews urges his readers and you and I to remember and to follow the example of their spiritual leaders. Spiritual leaders who are following after God and who are establishing by the word of God the unshakable and unchanging authority and truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The writer here in Hebrews in this passage, he seems concerned that these apostolic Christians are wavering in their faith, that they are in danger of compromising truth by capitulating to the never-ending and ever-changing false teachings of certain false teachers. And so the writer of Hebrews, urging these precious believers to not abandon their faith, to not water down that which they have been established in, to not backtrack from the gospel and the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he concludes his discussion, his argument, his writings, his encouragement in Hebrews 13 and 17. And he says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. This submission to spiritual authority here in Hebrews 13 denotes a habitual readiness to comply, much like that expected in military subordination. It is an unequivocal demand for obedience to those in spiritual authority because the issue is eternity and the issue is salvation. This 
is what is at stake. And so the writer of Hebrews says, obey those who have the rule over you and be submissive. Yes, like every biblical command or principle on authority, there is a balancing command. You don't have to worry about God mistreating you. Spiritual leaders are equally or eternally and equally accountable to God. They must give an account for how they watch for, how they guard, how they protect those under their care. The Bible is filled with passages that are direct commandments to those who are in spiritual authority. So we don't have to get all nervous about what could or could not happen by someone being in spiritual authority. This scripture is not a command to leaders. This scripture is a command to disciples who are under a spiritual leader. It is a command to me. It is a command to all of us who are here tonight because our eternal welfare is tied to their response on judgment day. The writer of Hebrews brings home that crushing conclusion that how they give an account of you and I is the determination of eternity. Do they do so with joy or do they do so with grief? Can they declare your complete submission or do they have to hedge and be explicitly clear before God who already knows that they never really submitted fully to your word? This is where the spiritual battle begins. And I suspect that if you look in the mirror of your own life and the word of God, you would be forced to confess that this is where the battle begins. You can dress it up. You can label it. You can put a lot of different facades around it. But at the core of many of our struggles and of many of our battles within us, at the core, it is a battle right here. It is a battle of the lordship of Jesus Christ. It is a battle of whether I am willing to yield and submit to and be obedient to the word of God, the spirit of the Lord, and the spiritual authorities that he has established in my life. The Bible is clear again that God has ordained pastors to shepherd each local congregation of believers By his own initiative, God chose not to issue a mountainous code of conduct to govern govern the minutiae of our lives. In our Western culture, we almost demand that God produce armored truck backed up with codes of regulations to guide the minutiae of how we live our lives. But God chose not to do that. In fact, he came to do something different, and that was to write his law in our heart by his spirit to be guided and governed by a framework of truth of his word and spiritual authority. God chose pastors to lead his people according to the direction and wisdom of the Holy Spirit and the doctrines and the principles of the word of God. God, not men, chose to place some in spiritual authority over us 
to practically apply and work out the principles of God's word in every context and in every generation. And there is no new technology and there is no new paddle and there is no culture and there is no age and there is no spiritual challenge that cannot be answered by the truths and the principles of the word of God. God's word is always applicable and always relevant in every situation, but God ordained spiritual authority to help us and to guide us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling with holy reverence of a holy God. God chose that, not you and I, not someone in some past century. God made that choice. But let's just be honest here this evening. I and you are influenced by our self-made American culture. We celebrate mavericks who buck the system. We celebrate those who are defiant. We celebrate and plaster on billboards those who seemingly thumb their nose at anything that is authoritative. And we just as often, because of this influence, you and I and I and I and I can have a hard time often accepting God's plan to guide and to govern the church through men who are just like you and I, who go to bed at night and wake up in the morning, who, you know, they're just, they're just people. They're humans. And sometimes we can have a hard time wrestling with and trying to get our brains around the, uh, accepting that this is really God's plan. But the scriptures, the word of God, the voice of God leaves no wiggle room. Self-willed spiritual mavericks cannot please the Lord. Only men and women who are submitted and in complete love with Jesus Christ can please him. Only those who submit to the authority of his word, only those who yield to the voice of his spirit, and only those who obey and submit to spiritual authority. Those are the ones who please God, not self-willed spiritual mavericks. It is a fallacy. It is a facade, and it does not please the Lord. But let's continue to be real. Because you and I can name those who have grossly abused their spiritual authority. But those who have abused their spiritual authority never exempt us from obeying the word of God. Those who are accountable on judgment day for their lack of submission to God's purpose for their life stand with an even heavier condemnation for they were appointed to lead. But regardless of their actions and the conduct of some, you and I get no free pass. The word of God is clear that we must obey and we must submit to his spirit, his word, and spiritual authority. You and I can critically compare every practical application of godliness. You and I can critically compare every practical application of holiness our pastor makes 
and we can compare it with this church and that shepherd and them over there and how come and why not. And even and even we can, we can self-label the ones we don't like as man-made or as inconsistent. But such thinking that leads to selective submission to our pastor is never the result of seeking after God in prayer and fasting and Bible study. Instead, such critical thinking and such excuse-making and selective submission and picking and choosing what you think is legit and what you want to label as man-made or inconsistent It is always the expression of self-will and carnality. And Paul's description of that kind of thinking is black and white. For Paul said in Romans 8 and 6, to be carnally minded is death and to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You nor I may not fully understand You nor I may not have every personal conviction about every practical application of biblical truth that our pastor makes, but we should be clear about the eternal necessity of our consecration and our submission to that teaching and to our pastor. And do you really want to stand on judgment day before the Lord Jesus Christ and you didn't abandon the church, you didn't thumb your nose at God, you didn't turn your back upon him, but are you really willing to stand before God and explain how you buried the talents he gave you to advance his kingdom And to serve his people because you were not willing to consecrate whatever it is you choose not to submit to. Are you really ready to stand there on judgment day and tell God that you buried your gifting because you were not willing to consecrate something to God, some activity, some act or appearance that you were unwilling to consecrate. Because according to the parable of the stewards in Matthew 25, that is an eternally damning position. So I say that to obey is better. To obey is always, always better. It's always better to obey. Because while Paul is clear about the consequences of being carnally minded, he's also clear about the blessing of being spiritually minded. It's life and it's peace with God. It's the blessed life of living in submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I think these blessings that saturate the Word of God, they are so well captured by God's covenant promises to Abraham, a covenant of obedient faith 
God told Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is the blessing of obedience. In Genesis 15 and 1, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. High helm your shield. Your exceedingly great reward. This is the blessing of obedience that God is our shield. And if God be for us, who can be against us? But that's the blessing of obedience. So be careful before you go whipping up that scripture on Satan and you're not living in obedience. Genesis 17 and 6, God tells Abraham, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. You see, when I look at scripture, when men and women, when men and women build altars of convenience, when men and women act in rebellion, what I find is that they are slaughtering their children on the altar of their own carnality. But I also see that the blessings of obedience is that God's covenant is not only with me, but it's with my children, and it's going to be with my grandchildren. And so I say again, it is better to obey. It is better to submit because I want my children to be saved. I want my family to walk in a legacy of truth and power and blessing. These are the blessing of walking in obedience and complete surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ as he expresses that authority through his word, his spirit, and the spiritual authorities that he has ordained. And our worship team can come. To obey is always, always better. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To obey is just better. It's better for me. It's better for my family, and it's better for my world. To obey is always, always better.
And so I come in the fear of the Lord. And the reality that this is where the battle often is. For me, for you, this is where the battle often is. Will we follow the path of Saul, who so selectively disregarded the word of the Lord through the prophet of the Lord, that he became delusional to the point he called worship what God called evil? Will we follow the path of Saul, who lost his entire family, slaughtered because of Saul's disobedience, his unwillingness to submit to the word of God and the man of God in his life? Or will we follow the life of Abraham, who simply walked by faith, obedient to the call of God? He wasn't perfect, and neither are you and I, but he just kept getting up aligning himself back to the word of God and moving forward. To follow the example of David, a man after God's own heart, who even when the man in authority over him was a reprobate, cut off by God, even when David could have taken a weapon and ended it all in that cave on that day, as 1 Samuel describes David said, to obey is always better. And I know that God's word is clear to not touch the anointed. And so our choice is a life of blessing or a life underneath the wrath of God. Spiritualist authority giving an answer in judgment with joy or having to, with tears flowing down their face, stand before a God they cannot hide from and be honest with God about our conduct and our selective submission. And so I say for the hundredth time, to obey is always always better. And if, if you have questions, if you don't understand something, you can ask. You can pray. You can examine the Word of God. You can, you can with a right spirit, seek out the counsel and guidance of those in spiritual authority. That is absolutely permissible. But what isn't permissible is self-directed labeling as man-made, inconsistent. That's, That's not biblical. That is a facade and fallacy of hell. And so if you're able, please stand.
There's at least 323 sermons I'd rather preach than this tonight. In some ways, I'd rather try to explain, explain Melchizedek than to deal with this subject. But I know what the word of the Lord directly and unequivocally put in my spirit yesterday for this service. And so to us all, God's word is a clear call to examine ourselves, to make sure that in this season of consecration that we're not blind to selective submission, that we haven't become blind to picking and choosing what we think is eternal and what we think is man-made. But to simply take the word of God and say, I take all of it and I submit to all of it and I submit to the spirit and the prompting of the spirit and I submit to the guiding of the spiritual authority in my life. It is very early. So would you join me up front and would you just close out this service with a time of prayer? You probably don't have to worry about praying with anybody else right now. Maybe you could just pray for yourself and all of us to stand before God. And Would you just take a moment and not let the Word of God pass over you so quickly? I'm going to examine myself. I have. I am. I need to. You let the Word of God be a mirror to your life. And I promise you that the blessing of obedience will outweigh whatever you feel like you're sacrificing to submit to the spiritual authority in your life. Would you lift up your voice? It might help if you just close your eyes. It might help if you just forget about everybody standing around you. And you just talk to God, just you and the Lord. Let's lift up our hearts to Him to obey Him, to please Him, to submit to Him.